0: Hey, food bloggers, are you constantly feeling like you never have enough time, like you can't possibly fit it all in, and you'll never get to those projects you've been wanting to do because of a lack of time? Let me help you find that time because guess what? There is always enough of it. We just need to be intentional about protecting it. Join my Always Enough Facebook group where we will find you the time you are looking for by creating systems in your life and establishing goals and habits. The number of spots available in the first month of this group are limited because I am making the first month free. So stop over to eatblogtalk.com forward slash always enough for more information. Go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash always enough to find that time you are looking for. I'm super excited about this and I will see you there. Food bloggers, are you needing a few extra hours in your week? One of my favorite services that saves me at least two hours a week is Instacart. Instacart is an online grocery shopping and delivery service, and it has changed my life. No more navigating through busy grocery stores while my boys beg me for another treat. My groceries appear at my door within hours of placing an order, and placing orders is a total breeze. If your life is as busy as mine, and I know it is, this service will save you. Get $10 off your yearly membership by using my affiliate link. Visit eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to grab the link. Instacart, the smartest way to grocery shop. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast made for food bloggers. Today, I will be chatting with Josie O. from yellowglassdish.com, and we will discuss creating beyond the food. Josie and her husband lost a tremendous amount of weight by switching to a lower-carb lifestyle. As a result, people were constantly asking them what kinds of recipes they were making. Josie set out to learn how to blog in early 2019 and launched in March 2019. As a watercolor artist and self-taught cook, she wanted to incorporate her watercolor abilities into the blog, and so she did. She hopes to encourage other bloggers to cultivate those other creative abilities hiding inside of them. This is a super intriguing topic, Josie, and one that we have not covered before, so I'm excited for our chat, but you know it's coming. First, give us a quick fun fact about you.
1: Well... I have traveled to like 23 countries at this point, and I spent four years living in northern China. So that's a huge part of my story and my journey with food.
0: Oh, my gosh. So what is your favorite of all the countries you've traveled to? I mean, China
1: has like this huge part of my heart, but also Italy was pretty awesome. And do you
0: incorporate those foods into your blog?
1: I do to an extent. They're not. Easily, you got to find the balance of like, what do the Google gods like and what do people search for versus here's some cool noodle dish you've never heard of.
0: Right. But it had to have had some sort of influence on you, I would imagine.
1: Absolutely. I didn't know how to cook before I moved to China. And there I am in a closet sized kitchen learning how to cook with minimal ingredients. So oh, that's interesting.
0: I love it. I love that. I love that you're a traveler and you have that adventurous spirit. You must if you like traveling so much. So thank you for sharing that. I love it. Now on to creating beyond the food. A lot of us food bloggers are creative individuals. And I think one of the main reasons we get into food blogging in the first place is because we are creatives. But as our businesses grow, we are required to branch out into realms that maybe are not so creative and I found that can end up actually squashing our creativity just because there's so much to do here in order to stay afloat right so So I find that I know so I find that I'm able to continue tapping into creativity as a food blogger in certain ways so speaking about cooking and baking and recipe creation, photography, and all of that. But I always feel like I could stand to have more creativity and creating in my life because I believe that it's massively important for all of us to continue to grow as not just individuals, but as bloggers too. So let's start by discussing a few of the reasons why you think we should all be including creative outlets into our lives and in our businesses.
1: Sure such a proponent for everyone creates things in different ways and people find different abilities in, you know, you probably didn't know how to food blog and you probably didn't know how to do 90% of the things that you do now, but you set out to learn them and our time, like we have to do a lot of things to keep a blog running, but there's so much burnout and there's so much like stagnant attitudes towards things after a while. And you're like, how do I reignite some passion?
0: Exactly. That's exactly what I was talking about. Like, it's so easy for us with our huge to-do lists, right? That just to get caught up in them. And then before you know it, you're looking back at the creativity that got you into the blogging in the first place. And you're like almost wistful. Like, where did you go? I find that I get into cycles where I do that all the time. Yep. And then I have to like re-engage with that creativity. Yep. So I I wrote some points down to just to kind of contribute. I think that... I think Apple came up with this slogan, creativity leads to innovation. And I know they use that a lot, but I don't think that's exclusive to huge brands like Apple. I think we can all tap into that as well because the more I am able to tap into that creativity, I feel like I'm able to really draw things out of my business that are important that I would not have otherwise been able to find. So I feel like that is one advantage of tapping into creativity.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it definitely creates innovation.
0: Yeah. And also self-care. I think I use creativity at times as self-care, like kind of a way for my mind to just disengage from the more technical aspects of food blogging, like the SEO and the the numbers, you know, the sides that we don't necessarily equate to being creative it
1: allows me to kind of take care of myself. Do you find that too? For sure. I think when I look at my week, if I'm just totally, I mean, I'm I'm a new blogger, so I'm like really trying to push my content to just be seen. And it's exhausting because you look at analytics and you're like, no, no one liked it today. But if I'm totally spending all my time on that and then I look at the week and I'm like, I didn't do any you know, there's so much I could have done in other realms, but I was just like sitting there staring at
0: analytics. (laughs) Um. I hear you. I've been through long seasons where I just have stared at my analytics and it's so not productive, but it's so easy to get caught up in that. I was listening to you
1: the other day, talk about that. And I was like, oh, that's me.
0: (laughs) But yeah, I think that, it's kind of required. It's a requirement for all bloggers that we go through those stretches where not, I wouldn't call it an obsession. Well, maybe for me it was, but just more of like a really intriguing part of it. Like what is going on behind the scenes and you really just want to tap into it. But when you take a step back, you're like, okay, maybe I should have been spending my time a little bit differently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you mentioned burnout. I think that taking a step away from just computers can help us avoid burnout. And I am a huge proponent for just like putting that in my calendar, like scheduling it, whatever that means, whatever kind of self-care we're talking about. But creativity specifically, just like making sure that I do it because otherwise I'm prone to getting burnt out. And I know that a lot of food bloggers can relate to that. So I use creativity and self-care kind of hand in hand to avoid that burnout stage.
1: Have you reached the burnout stage yet, Josie? I know you're a new blogger. I don't think I've reached the burnout stage. I've definitely reached areas where I'm just like, check out. You know, like there were weeks where it's like, I'm trying to you know, share my recipes in certain platforms and those platforms have like shadow banned me. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm just going to keep blogging. I'm just going to keep pushing forward and hope for the best eventually, which, you know, good things have happened. I, you know, I have nothing to complain about. So.
0: Absolutely. So I'm curious to hear about your journey because you are a watercolor artist so, how did you manage to incorporate your love for art, traditional art, into your blog?
1: You know, I. So, when I started out, I've always had the creative side. And when food blogging kind of came into the picture, I pushed it off for like a year. And then I was like, okay, you know what? Just do it. And because I love watercolor and I enjoy. Stretching myself in that realm because I only started learning watercolor in the last couple of years. And so it's all self taught and well from YouTube. So I guess YouTube University helped teach me. But YouTube University, I love it. I was like, I don't want to lose the momentum that's going on in my creativity and just. Focus solely on food blogging. So I was like, I'm just, I've, I haven't seen people do this, but I'm just going to try. And so instead of going on like creative market to buy graphics or to hire someone to do my logo, I just did it myself because I was like, I know how to do hand lettering. And I'm just, you know, even if I don't see other people doing it, I'm just going to do my own thing sort of and make it part of my life because it so is. So you.
0: You created art that you put onto your blog that are actually watercolor yeah, drawing or painting, sorry.
1: So if I'm working with a certain ingredient, I'll make a watercolor illustration of it and it'll be part of my post. It's part of my Instagram feed. It's part of my, it's my logo. My logo is not food. It's a yellow glass dish, literally. And it's written across the top. So I just was like, you know what? I'm going to make my own graphics and I'm going to not have to worry about licensing because it's all (laughs) mine.
0: Absolutely, I love that. So do you do this with every post or just as you're inspired?
1: As I'm inspired. I've done watercolor recipe cards before where I like put all the ingredients and I'll just put the names, I don't necessarily put the amounts, but it's more of just like this pretty graphic that is a pretty graphic. For some recipes, I do that. And for other recipes, it'll just be like a cup of tea or, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, whatever inspires you. I love that. I want to point out something that you said that I just loved. And it was, I haven't seen people do this, but I was just going to do it anyway. And I think that's so important in food blogging because everyone is really, like, generally speaking, doing the same things. Even the recipes we create, we kind of, like feed off of one another and I, I'm not like saying that in a bad way. I think that's totally normal but I love that you saw something totally unique that's just you. Nobody else is doing that. I have not seen that at all so you saw that it was very unique and you just did it and then you're letting that inspiration flow into your blog so it's kind of like another expression of you in addition to all the creativity inside. So in in addition to the recipe you're creating and the content that you're writing, you also have your art in there, which is so cool. I love that.
1: Honestly, it takes a lot longer to add that art into it. But for me, it's something that fuels the creativity cycle. So I'm like, okay, with that time investment and absolutely whatever it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anything to help fuel that creativity, like you said, those are great words, is going to help you in the long run. I truly believe that because we get so bogged down in the process, like step one through 20 of getting a post out with minimal creativity involved, minus maybe some photography and recipe creation. But yeah, like we get so bogged down in that, that we don't stop to do those things that really fuel ourselves. So what are some other ways food bloggers can find more unconventional ways to create for their blogs outside of what you're doing? So I love that you're incorporating watercolor in, but what are some other ideas?
1: You know, it can come in all, obviously we're talking about art here, but it can come in different forms of art. Do you enjoy making graphics? Do you enjoy hand lettering? there's a podcast by Jenna Kutcher and she does a lot of entrepreneurial type of ideas. And in it, she, in older posts, she had some ads about Skillshare or something like that, where she said, I went and I learned how to do hand lettering and I use my hand lettering on my website. Those graphics are things that I made. And I love that she talks about that because you're not going to go and find a font That looks just like your handwriting. So, if you say you have an iPad Pro with a pen, go use it. Figure, like, just go on YouTube and learn how to do some things and just try things. You could make little things for your Instagram stories, you could put additions onto your pictures. Sometimes I'll just draw in ingredients. I'll you know, if I do a flat lay of ingredients, I'll go practice hand lettering on the iPad or whatever, and I'll just draw in what the ingredients are that I'm using. It's just finding different ways to incorporate your own abilities or your own interests. So maybe right now you don't have the skills you think, but if you foster that, if you enjoy art, just try things and try Different ways of adding it to your brand, adding it to your style. I mean, no one's there's no blog police out there. So,
0: (laughs) you and there's really no way to do this. I mean, we all go about this differently, we approach our blogs differently, uniquely. So, there's no rules. So, yeah, I like what you said. Just do something. So, kind of give us some ideas about where to start. If there's somebody listening who maybe does not have a traditional love for art like you know they're not a painter they're not a drawer they don't do digital art where do you start tapping into creativity so that they can foster that and find it
1: well here's the thing creativity is not a cut and dry thing and it's something that comes with time and i think every person has some creative element hidden inside So the idea of maybe it's in writing, maybe it's crafting really well-worded art, or maybe it's, I'd like to learn how to do, say, digital graphics. For me, the first thing I would do is, do I have the tool to do that? So my husband has an iPad Pro. I don't. So I was like, can we use that for digital art? And he's like, sure. And so it's do you have the tools? Or if you want to do watercolor, there's Michaels or Hobby Lobby, and there are cheap watercolor sets and cheap paper to start with. I would get like a fine pointed paintbrush, like a size one, and then like a size three, or like even smaller, but whatever and just get some basics and go on YouTube and search up something that you're interested in. Do you want to learn how to paint flowers? Do you want to learn how to paint a landscape? And just watch some tutorials. They show you and they walk you through it. And then it's just trying. And it's breaking away from the idea of, I can't, I don't have that skill. Of course you don't have that skill. If you don't have that, like we don't start off with these skills. So we learn them, we foster them. So it's just going and finding, for me, it's a free place. YouTube is great. I've learned a lot of what I know from YouTube. And then I take that and I just incorporate it into trying so I have lots of paper of lots of tries and things that worked out and things that look awful so it's you know all good yeah and like one thing
0: that you start with might not be your thing but it might spill over into another interest which would lead you know like until you find that thing I think it's okay to start with like you said, Josie, just something. Start somewhere. Find something on YouTube. YouTube is great. You can find anything on YouTube. My boys pull up YouTube all the time. And they're like, how to draw a... And they have something just ridiculous, like a Pokemon character. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's actually a video for that. You can find anything. I mean, watercolor, painting, drawing any type of art you can imagine. And then Pinterest is a great one just for inspiration too. Not necessarily like tutorials, but just getting an idea about what stands out to you and what sparks interest,
1: I think. Yes. Yes. I totally forgot to mention Pinterest. Of course, Pinterest. So when I was in China, I also had limited access to a lot of things. And that was where I continued to foster creativity. And so it was like, what do I have here and what can I do with it? Let's go to Pinterest. So, of course, Pinterest is a great resource. Oh, it's the best for
0: everything, (laughs) especially if you're looking... Yes. For food or (laughs) just really anything visual. Yes. And you could go with this. You could go digital. You could go traditional. I know I used to have this job where like back in a corner on this desk that I sat at, there was a Wacom tablet. Have you ever used like a drawing tablet?
1: Yes. I had one of
0: those in like sixth
1: grade and I'm pretty sure it's still at my parents' house.
0: Well, and so I never would have ever thought to use it, but it was just sitting there. And one day I was bored and I was like, well, I'm going to check this thing out. So I plugged it in and I fell in love with it. And I started like on my lunch breaks, I would take pictures and I would like import it into Illustrator and then I would take the Wacom tablet and I would draw over the pictures. And it was the coolest thing. And I became obsessed with it. So then I was like, can I borrow this thing? And so I would like bring it home and... But it's like one thing just kind of sparked like, oh, there's a tablet sitting there. And then it actually was like really cool. And I did so much with that. So I think that just finding that one place to start and then letting it kind of lead you down a trail and see what really interests you.
1: I would say art begets art. So you get onto something and then you try it and you're like, oh, I, I don't super love this. For me, I don't super love oil painting. It's time consuming. I like quick results. So it's not for me. But then learning, oh, I can do this with this medium. I can do this with this. And yes, Wacom boards, that's probably where a lot of my stuff started was Photoshop in middle school. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes, I love it. Art begets art. What a great quote. That's so perfect for this talk. So. I also have I wanted to mention that I have this friend that she's a really great drawer like drawing is not my forte it never has been but she just can sit down and she can draw amazing pieces of art so I asked her last summer I was like hey would you mind drawing like my most visited recipe is goulash on my site and I just asked her to kind of do like a rendition of that. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I just want you to do like, do your own creative take on goulash. And you would think like, really, how creative can you get with a goulash recipe and drawing? But she made this drawing that is the coolest thing ever. And I have to frame it. It's sitting in my kitchen. I haven't framed it yet. But I want to like, see you can, it. Yeah, I will. I will send you a picture when we're done. But, and also maybe I'll put it on your show notes page just so people can see. And she's like willing to do this. She sells them for very affordable prices too. It's so cool. So, just thinking a little bit outside and then also taking a skill. Like, let's say you find that you're really good at oil painting and just like giving yourself a project. Wouldn't that be fun? Like, I'm going to take my most popular recipe and I'm going to express it on this canvas and it's so cool to see how each individual would do that you know like I didn't want to tell my friend how to express my recipe but it was so cool to see what she did so I mean the creative world of art the opportunities are endless for the ways that you can just express yourself and your recipes and your blog so yeah there's a
1: lot that you can do with it that's kind of where my wanting to incorporate art started. I started searching watercolor food illustrations. And I'm like, this is so cool. And yeah, yeah, fun.
0: Yeah, it is. It's fun. Not always fun to get started because we don't necessarily know yet what we're good at. But so fun once you get into it. And I think we should also point out that those things that maybe you're not so good at or that you don't love are although you don't maybe you know you don't embrace them they're important building blocks for your journey for getting into whatever it is that you are really good at so if you start with watercolor and you don't love it that's fine don't hate watercolor i mean it's what got you to maybe hand lettering or whatever it is
1: maybe you're going to find you're a marker artist or maybe you're a graphite artist or maybe it you know Maybe it's not going to be anything that has to do with your blog, but it's using a different part of your brain and forcing a different pace that's going to ignite some creativity in your blogging journey. I promise it will. I love that you just said that because
0: we don't necessarily have to do this for our blogs like you are. I love that you are, but that's not really the point here. The point is to yeah, engage your brain in a different way so that when you do go to your blog, You are more creative and you're able to think differently. And there is gold in that, just engaging our brains in different ways. And I feel like a snowball effect almost happens. Like you gain momentum and then it just gets like crazy out of control. Not in a good way, like bursting with creativity once you get started.
1: Yes, when I have those bursts of creativity, my husband hears me talk at three hundred miles a minute, and he's like, okay, "Okay, I support you. That sounds good." Yeah. yeah. Oh my! My husband has that same voice. <laughs> okay, Megan. Here we go. I was like, but I just need an extra fifty hours in the week to accomplish all of this.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it is hard to stand back and make time for it when we have so much to do. So what do you recommend for that? Aside from just like being really regimented about putting it in our schedule, what are your recommendations?
1: I'd say just as you would schedule a meeting with someone, if you want to grow creatively as a blogger, plan out some time in your week to Do something creative that's going to spark that. So different from your cooking, different from recipe creation, different from all of those things, set those things aside because in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, but this isn't valuable. What I'm doing here isn't valuable because it's not pushing the needle forward for the blog. But actually, you all know, like if you take a vacation, if you do something out of the ordinary that changes your pace, you come back refreshed, you come back ready to engage in a more productive way. There's so many perks to taking that time to go switch up your routine. So put it on your calendar. Maybe it's going to be Thursday night. Thursday night, you're going to sit and you're going to do art for an hour. It doesn't even have to be an hour. Maybe it's 30 minutes here and there, but it's being intentional. For me, I'm often not super intentional. And I can tell because then I can't get a whole lot done. I'll sit at the computer and, you know, be super distracted hopping around. But I don't know, there's just something that happens when I disengage and engage in a different thing that's making my brain work a different way.
0: It's like feeding your brain in a way that's not tangible. Like you mentioned pushing the needle forward. It's, there are so many things that we can do that we see immediate results from in blogging. And this is something that you don't necessarily see, like you can't grab those results. But it does, it feeds you in a very different way that you need. And I was just thinking about those times when I think we all encounter when we're like, sitting at our desks or wherever, trying to work and we're forcing it and we just can't get anywhere. But I have this deadline and I have to get this done. So we keep pushing it. Maybe during those times, we just take that as a sign that we need to stop and step back and just go do something creative and then see what happens. I think that would be a really great experiment to try. I think I'm going to do that. I just had one of those moments last week where I was like, I have on my calendar that I have to write three posts. And so I was just forcing myself to do it. And it was like an hour in and I hadn't written anything. And I should have taken that cue to just step back and go do something else. But I didn't. But it's such a hard lesson to learn. But so valuable, like self-care. I think the two kind of go hand in hand. Like when we get to those points, just see that as a sign that you need to go take care of yourself. (laughs) Feed creativity.
1: Yep. Well, why do you think you know in the last couple of years, adult coloring books became popular? People oh, so true. Have to just, I will be honest, I don't have the patience to do adult coloring books because they're just so detailed, and I just don't want to take three hundred hours to fill in. <laughs> a lot. But
0: that's some of those personal. are very
1: intricate. <laughs> but the market has boomed. I think it's kind oh, of yeah. a come and gone sort of thing. I'm sure that they're still available, but I would say it was like two or three years ago that they were super popular. But why do you think that that market took off? Because people are recognizing the need to just create, like as children, our houses are like exploding with art supplies and construction paper and kids love to engage in that way. But as adults, we think we outgrow it, but we, we really we know that kids' minds grow in infinite ways through creating. And so why as adults do we stop? So just do an adult version of being creative.
0: It might seem like we outgrow it, but I think we still really need it as adults. But we kind of drown that out with all of the other stuff, all of the stuff that we, quote, need to do. So yeah, I love that you brought out the adult coloring books because they were huge. Like, yeah, two years ago or so, and I still see some occasionally in the, I don't know, Walmart aisle or wherever, but there's a reason for that. And I remember when they came out, I would sit at my table and my parents were visiting and I was just like obsessed. And I must've been in a period of being stressed or something. Cause I was just sitting there like nonstop coloring. And my stepmom was like, Oh, that looks awful. I'm like, what? This is so relaxing. It just like fed me. But for someone like her, she didn't dig it and I couldn't figure that out I was like who wouldn't like to sit down and just do that but maybe
1: her creativity lies somewhere else one of my childhood friends now we're all adults but she posted about some like bead thing it was like bedazzled looking thing okay where it's this whole chart and you put so many of these you know bedazzle things on it and it turns out turning into this picture. And she was like, this really helps calm my anxiety. And I was like, I totally get you because I struggle with anxiety. And when I do art, it's a very calming experience to just sit and create. So
0: it yeah. It is. There's something very cathartic and almost healing about it, just sitting. And it's like your brain disengages from one thing and almost like it goes into a dream realm or something. It's like goes into a whole other world of something,
1: <laughs> something that's feeding me somehow. <laughs> there has to be some mental health aspect to seriously and making art because I see it all over that it has a huge effect. I mean, people use art therapy. I could go on for a long time about the value of this. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I'm here for food blogging, not we're just encouraging you. You're going to be a better food blogger if you engage in some creative outlet. That's all I'm saying.
0: I totally agree with that. I recorded an episode about just cultivating creativity in general. And I recommend that if you are listening, you go listen to that, too, because we talk a lot about just why it's really good for your spirit and your mind and your soul But Josie, what are some other reasons to kind of give food bloggers right now who are listening that they should do this? Like, How is it going to benefit them?
1: It's scary to be different. It's uncomfortable at times, but just if there's something that you're like, oh, I saw that and I want to try that. Why not? Just go spend some time trying it. I'm being very vague right now because what might Click with me might not click with you. So that's why I'm leaving it out there. Go scroll Pinterest. Don't look at food stuff. Go search up something that could inspire you. Maybe it's making your own encouraging posters or graphic. Like make some art for your kitchen. Make some art for your home that can encourage you in your journey. Speak truth to your heart through just writing something down or painting something or you know, writing a poem. Do you do haikus? I couldn't even tell you what goes into a haiku. (laughs) But just go do something that can engage that side of your brain.
0: Yeah, there is, I think, a lot of benefit to just doing that. And I like that you mentioned when you're looking on Pinterest, don't necessarily look for or don't even look for food related pins when you're doing this. Just look for something that is speaking truth to your heart. You said I love that. And I have your website up right now, and I absolutely love your banner logo. That is so cool and so creative. And I just love knowing that you made that. That just gives it such a little touch. Now, tell me which recipe you were talking about that had the graphic incorporated into the post.
1: If you go to the Russian tea, it should be there on the main page. That one has a graphic in it, I'm pretty sure.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's beautiful.
1: So how long does something like that take you to do? I batch work just as you batch work with food blogging. I batch work with art. So I'll make I'll sit down and have like a two hour session and just crank out a handful of things. So I don't know, something like that. Because when you do watercolor, you work with layers. So you have to wait for something to dry before adding the next. So that kind of thing could take 30 minutes, something like that.
0: That is so cool. That inspires me. That's really inspiring. My thing is oil painting. And I've just (laughs) struggled with, I mean, I allow oil painting to be A source for me to kind of go to when I need creativity and inspiration. But as far as like incorporating it into my blog, I don't think that would be super easy. But I am thinking about that Wacom tablet that I loved and doing the digital illustrations and how I could make just something unique for my blog. So thank you for inspiring me. I'm like feeling the creative juices right now.
1: Even if you don't have a Wacom, I don't know if you have an iPad Pro. If you don't I do then, not. Okay. Well, that would be an easy way because you can just pull the picture up. I actually use a Microsoft Surface. Okay. And that one I have a pen with, but the Wacom tablet works just as well. I actually have one, but I haven't used it in a long
0: time. Yeah. Those are, oh, I don't know if they make them anymore. They do. They were like back in the day. Do they? Okay. Another thing I tried after I left that job and my Wacom tablet went away, I just experimented in Illustrator so I would take a photo, import it and then lock it in place and then just draw over with like the pencil tool and that worked great too. I did this drawing of my husband and I when we first met. It was like us <laughs> kissing like with a sunset in the background. And it turned out so amazing. I have it framed in our house, but I'm tempted to do that with some of my food, like maybe my more favorite photos or again, like maybe a popular post or something like that. So, oh, I'm like super excited now. Okay, so we've mentioned, I just want to cover some options. So we've mentioned painting, watercolor. I love that you mentioned marker. I wouldn't have thought of that. What else did we talk about? Oh, lettering, hand lettering. That's a great one, too. Like if you like scripts or if you like if maybe fonts are your forte and you're I'm one of those people that I can never find the right font. I feel like I'm never satisfied. I think that there's something better that can be done. So if you're one of those people, maybe just make your own. And I can't remember the service that you mentioned about Jenna Kutcher using.
1: Oh, Skillshare. It's Skillshare. like a learning website. Go see if they can sponsor your podcast at some point. (laughs) Oh, good idea. Well, she uses it to advertise for Skillshare saying, hey, I went on Skillshare and I learned this. And that's for me, I love how it resonates. Like I learned this and I put it into use. So that, I mean, I go to YouTube too for those kinds of things, but I think like those sorts of websites that can really teach you a skill. I don't know how to make a font to be honest, I know that it's possible and maybe someday I will try. But if you're just wanting the easy peasy route of learning hand lettering, Tombow markers, they make it's called, oh my gosh, I don't know how to spell it, Fudanosoki. <laughs> <laughs> it's like F-U, I can look it up and send it to you. But it's five yeah, like of them for 10 bucks on Amazon. And if you can get some soft tips and some hard tips, and those are the best for learning hand lettering. I did a class at my church earlier this year and just all these women who had never done hand lettering, we all just did hand lettering together and it was super fun. So just try things and just try.
0: Yeah, I like that you mentioned a class too because I know that people do that a lot. They'll just like invite people over and they'll do like a creating night Like, I don't know. I know scrapbooking used to be a huge thing, probably not so much anymore. But that kind of concept I like, you know, like inviting everybody over for just whatever your creative outlet is and bringing that. I was also going to mention just like yarn, like knitting and crocheting can also be a form, like a creative outlet I love sitting. My mom taught me to crochet and I've been working on this blanket for a couple of years, but I love just setting my computer down and letting my brain just go into the world of repetitive motions with a knitting needle, a crochet needle. There is serious juice in there too. And that's not necessarily an art form, like a traditional art form, I wouldn't say, but I think there's a lot of creative value there too.
1: Absolutely, I am the queen of making granny squares. That's about all I. Yes, from it. <laughs> I love <laughs> it. All my Christmas presents when year were things with granny squares, and I was <laughs> so proud of myself. Anyway, yeah. I love that.
0: Also, what do you think about? I mean, art can be also just making handmade gifts. So this time of year, especially as food bloggers, we start thinking about those things that we can gift that are maybe food related, maybe not. But that is, I think that is cathartic too. Last year or the year before, I can't remember, but I did like homemade vanilla extract and then I did some bath bombs and I gave those away. And the process of making those was really like therapeutic
1: for me. And I was like, I have to do this next year. It's so fun. I make, I do wood burning. I do all sorts. Like For me, I'm, I'm a very textile artist type of person. So currently I've been painting peg dolls and I do wood burning. And so I do wood burn ornaments and I do peg doll families. That's just oh, uh, side yeah, you know, turning more creative juices. So, yeah, every year I try to make a handmade gift for my friends and I'm like, okay, well that year I did watercolor and that year I did necklaces and so I got to switch it up. <laughs> so yeah, yeah.
0: there's so many things. Jewelry making, you mentioned too. I mean, really, the options are so endless. And just start with something that maybe gives you the tiniest spark of inspiration and just go from there. Okay, so we have provided a lot of options for people to start with. Maybe even just what we mentioned, what we were just talking about, is a great place to start if someone just like wants to tap into that but has absolutely no idea. Just making gifts. And you can find amazing roundups if you just search on Google, like best food related gifts or best DIY gifts, and see if something in those sparks interest for you too.
1: Well, and one of the challenges is art supplies add up. So it's like if I'm doing art with a purpose, then it justifies the expense of buying this thing. And I. Yeah, that is true. I know that. I'm kind of at this stage of my life as an adult where I'm like, I really don't care about getting gifts at Christmas. I'm not this person with this long list and we don't do extravagant anything ever. But if my friend makes me something, it's so special because like my friend, she did embroidery on, what is it called? Those hand towels. Yeah. Okay. Just white. They call them I forget, milk bags or flour sack, flour sack towels. And she just did outlines of vegetables on them and they are so cute, cute, simple. And I love that creative expression. And so that's so meaningful and fun.
0: That's a great idea. Just something like that too wouldn't take very long to do. And I'm sure it's easy to find a template, but vegetables, what a great idea for especially for food bloggers, just to do like a simple piece of food on a dish towel. I might steal that actually. That's such a good idea. And I put it
1: in my pictures. So then I'm like, oh, I love there's that. a little love for my friend in my pictures.
0: <gasps> that is so cool. I was obsessed with cross-stitch. When I was a kid, my mom would buy me those cross-stitch kits. And I remember sitting for hours and just doing those and I would make them for family members and and it was interesting because certain family or you know certain people that receive gifts like that really don't appreciate it they're like oh this is really nice because they don't understand the time that went into them but then certain people do like my mom is an artist so she totally does so she's like this is so beautiful look at all of the little stitches and so i'm the type of person that when i receive gifts like you i'm just like so grateful and like this is Best type of gift. You know, if someone took the time to get a towel and put a little embroidery on it, oh, that's the best. Yes. I love it. And I'm also going to share with you some of the stuff that my mom has made for me because she is a really great drawer as well. I know I mentioned my friend earlier, but she has done a few drawings for me that are food related that I have hanging in my house as well. And they're just really inspiring. Like she has this stack of cookies based on a photo that I took years ago. And I love that she saw that on my website and was like, that's a great stack of cookies. And that she translated it into a, I think it's a colored pencil drawing and it's beautiful. So also just having art that inspires you or having things in your home or your realm that inspires you and like, Like that for me is inspiring. When I see someone else's art, I walk by it and I'm like, ooh, that is so cool. I want to just like it puts me more in that groove. So surrounding yourself with inspiration too.
1: Big time. Yes. My mom's also an artist, so I totally jab with that.
0: Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. So did she foster art for you as a kid or when you were younger?
1: I think her having the stuff fostered it. So I would describe our home as like a mini Joanne fabrics exploded back <laughs> half of our house. And so for me, I had like endless art supplies, but hers was more fiber art. So she makes I can't tell you all the cool things she makes, but she's amazing. And she makes happy mail and we live on opposite sides of the country. So I only see her maybe once a year and we write each other letters and she makes these beautiful things for happy mail. I love it so Aww. much. Uh, That's so cool. My mom is
0: very similar. She growing up, she always had art supplies around. So I too had unlimited access to just kind of random stuff. Like she would go through phases where she was really into oil painting and then like colored pencil she's been doing forever. But then she was also really good with sewing machines. So she would create just like she would make my clothes and my Halloween costumes and recently I went to visit her. We two live on opposite sides of the country. So she's in California where you are. And I went to visit her this year, earlier this year. And a friend of mine, have you ever seen those bowl cozies? Like they are, if you have like a hot bowl of soup, you put a cozy underneath it to so that you're, you don't burn your hands off. So a friend of mine wanted one of those and she's like, I don't know where to find these on Etsy. They're like $5 million. Do you know anyone who can make them for me? So I, sent my mom a picture of it before I got there and she figured it out and she made this pattern. So when I got there, she had all the supplies ready and we just cranked out like seven of those and made them and I used them as giveaways on my blog and then gave them to a few friends. But yeah, like even stuff like that, that you can use in the kitchen or not necessarily even in the kitchen, but just that you can use in your house that can be created on a sewing machine or with fabric or what else did your mom create with her fabric?
1: Well, she would do, she would get scraps from the local quilt store. Oh, good idea. Make those and then create like bookmarks. And she'd tell stories with these tiny little pieces of color. They're so intricate. She'd make pins. So, you know, like what moms wear. Uh, you know, mom, <laughs> our, our moms wear. <laughs> she would make little dolls. She would make bookmarks. She makes really cool bookmarks. And they're all over the world because we have connections all over the world. And so she would just take them along and like people would just their jaws would drop when they'd be like, wait, you made this? Because they're so intricate. Mm, and I love that. So a mini quilt on a bookmark. Oh and my gosh. Would, so creative. Who would think of that? She would color code. We would save like those like spinach containers. And so it would be like this box of green fabric strips and this box of yellow fabric strips and so we'd save all those clear containers from salad and yeah let me tell you that
0: house is loaded with all the art stuff (laughs) that's funny (laughs) yeah it's like a dream come true for me every time I go to my mom's place I'm like oh my goodness just so many fun things to experiment with and she takes it for granted I think because she's lived an entire life of just art being in her bones. Like she literally creates every day. So I go there and I'm like, this is amazing. And she's like, nah, it's okay. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like I always say this my mom is the most talented person I know. And I tell her that. And she just like, well, this is what I do every day. It's no big deal. But it is a big deal. And I swear if she would have been a better like self promoter and marketer at a younger age, she would be a millionaire. She's so so ridiculously talented so Love that I so like much. to you have to remind those people that they that they are yeah. actually talented <laughs> let's talk about how we can take something once we find a groove with it like whether it's I don't know creating colored pencil renditions of hamburgers or whatever it is and we found that flow how do we
1: turn that into money do you have ideas for us there That is a great question. And you know what? I am an apprehensive business person. So I'm always like, well, what would be my best decision? And I'm going to be honest, I haven't figured that out yet. So I'll get back to you on that. (laughs) To be continued. Um, Well, honestly, I think if I was to do, now that I've learned blogging, and there's a lot of bloggers out there who have multiple blogs, I think my next blog would be an art blog of some sort. But
0: and just selling selling your art or what would
1: you do with it? No, teaching art, tutorializing art, great idea, making art accessible. I mean, there's a lot of people who already do it, but every artist is different and every artist style is different. So for me, I'm like, hello, homeschoolers love art, and private art classes are crazy expensive, and that was like one of my favorite parts of public school was the art class and the access to supplies. So could I do something with like actually not gaudy art to teach people art? Okay. That's down the road. Stay tuned. <laughs> for From now we'll see that happen because I just don't have the capacity in my life to do that right now.
0: Oh, but- I get that. Like you don't have the time and energy, but you have it on your heart and it's a project that you really feel passionate about. And I can just tell listening to you talk that it's something that you would be really good at and you would invest a lot of energy in. So it's hard, isn't it? Like reining that in. I have ideas all the time that I'm like, oh my gosh, this would be amazing. I'd be so good at that. But hold on, hold up. (laughs) Look at your life right now. So yeah.
1: I love you, but no, not right now. (laughs) There's a time and
0: place. Now is not it.
1: Unfortunately. So, but some things that you could do is you could offer your services so you could if you foster some creative ability you could do it for hire maybe there's another blogger who's like I really like what you did can you make a graphic for this I've made things for I haven't made them for companies but I've done branded I've painted illustrations of things that maybe have a brand attached to them my goal eventually down the road is to do a watercolor illustrated cookbook, but that would be down the road because again, it takes a ton of time to A make a cookbook and B then illustrate it with watercolors. That's just way time consuming, but it's a dream. We'll see if it's realized someday. Another thing you could do is you could create an Etsy shop. You could create shop like PDF downloads through like send owl or some digital delivering program so if you digitize it you could make cards you can make just a passive income with some of your art I haven't done that yet I want to be strategic whenever I do do it that I'm not just randomly throwing art out there but being really intentional with my delivery of it to people who want it for me it's a lot of self-doubt like well people won't actually want to pay for this anyway so I'll just you know It's my own thing. That's kind of where I've been with it. It's like, uh, I don't, it's scary to put your art out there for sale because you're like, what one wants it? Because it's not special to them, but it's that poured my heart into. So for me, it's just whatever. And you could do testing with that
0: too. I mean, you could have a little shop section on your blog that just kind of tested it out, right? Like, yes, I I don't know, have cards like you mentioned or hand towels, like have a a selection of maybe a handful of different things and see what people are drawn to and then do more of that. Another thing for food bloggers specifically that just came to mind as you were talking was like, you could create your own unique recipe lists, like, I don't know, like a recipe notebook or something, but there, I mean, there are so many, I could literally like fill a notebook right now just with ideas for food bloggers specifically Maybe we'll have to pick each other's brains someday. Yes. Oh, I would love that. I could talk about this forever, as you can tell. So as far as like shops to sell on, you mentioned Etsy. I know that Etsy has gotten really saturated in recent years. But I mean, it's worthwhile to at least have something there. Just in case, and then you can
1: link your blog to it. It could create more traffic than just doing Etsy SEO because it's yeah very saturated. Yeah, that's a good idea. Amazon also has a
0: new—is it Amazon Marketplace? Is that right?
1: Yeah, they take a huge amount of your money. So one of the reasons I would steer away from that is just because the fee part is really high. I want to say it's about to forty percent.
0: Oh, um, ouch. Yeah, that's yeah. good to know. But if you have a lot of let's say you have an established blog and you have a lot of people coming in, then I think there would be it would be worthwhile just to have a section of your blog dedicated to your content or your the material that you make. So
1: yeah, that might be a good I'll way to start. Yeah, I actually give it away. So I will I'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit of how yeah. do my readers get access to digital? Well, let's hear it. I'm curious. Okay. Talk to us about that now. The email list. And I have a lot of self-doubt, I'll be honest. So if you're listening, it's okay to doubt yourself and just try things. But for my initial, I need to revamp my email. What's it called? The opt-in. But right now it's a watercolor recipe for chicken stock. And it's Just, it's to make it in the Instant Pot and it has all of it illustrated. But then, every probably about once a month, I send out a free digital download of a piece of my art. Maybe it's a quote, maybe it's something that's seasonal that could be a cute decoration in your kitchen. Just as you said, you walk around people's homes and you see little glimpses of inspiration. You're like, oh, that's super cute. And so, for me, it's like I sent out coffee like different coffee illustrations earlier this year I've sent out herbs I sent out quotes and most recently I did I think I did a tea yeah I did my tea illustration so for Christmas it's cute to print off and have like by your coffee station or your tea station I don't know I just try things and I send them out I'm like here download it and print it off and have fun
0: to your email list, you actually send a printable version
1: of your graphics? Yep. So I digitize it. So after I paint it, I digitize it. I scan it in to my Google Drive, and then I will take it into Photoshop. And maybe if there's some extra marks on it, I'll clean it up. And I'll put my yellow glass dish logo on it. And I'll save it for different formats. If I'm Saving it as a printable, I'll save it in a larger format so that it prints off nicely. If I'm saving it for Instagram, it'll be a bit smaller. If I'm saving it for the blog, same. And then I'll email out the quality PDF or it's either a JPEG or a PDF to my readers so that they can print it off and enjoy it in their homes.
0: You are the nicest person ever. So you
1: do that completely for free because you're awesome. Is that right? (laughs) Said it. I don't know. I just—it's because I love art, and I would—I don't want to give that up in the pursuit of building a food blog. And you know, you could
0: add selling art to your life too, and do both. So you could do like, here, email subscribers. I'm so thankful for you. Here's something free. For more options, go check out my selection over at blah blah blah. So that would be a, a good way to kind of sell and give away freebies, but I love that you do that. I think that makes you very unique. And I'm sure that your readers just love you for it. Do you get a lot of comments about
1: the art that you give away? Yeah, I get a fair amount of comments about them. I get people saying, oh my goodness, this is so cute. I've done things like grocery lists or meal planning and practical tools as well in you just never know; it's a mystery of what you're gonna get. <laughs> and it's like maybe once a month. I, I'm not someone who likes pestery types of emails, so I only do a biweekly email update, which I need to write for this week, and then it's every other week that I include, or every other email generally that I include a
0: printable in it. I just am looking at your. Chicken stock, is that your watercolor too? Okay, so a picture of that. That is very similar to what my friend did, and I love that. Just like putting all the different ingredients that go into the recipe into an art form, basically, and it's just really cool. And I can see you also selling to food bloggers because we all love food, we all love being creative. So having something like that hanging up in our homes like I mentioned earlier, it's just like a little piece of inspiration. And if we have that created based on content that we love, that's already on our blogs, I just see that benefiting tons of food bloggers. You should offer that. You
1: guys just flood my DMs on Instagram and I will deliver.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, one thing I wanted to ask you, you mentioned scanning your artwork and then just kind of tweaking it in Photoshop. What, To recommend for that because I know some scanners just like have really crappy outputs. Do you have a really nice scanner or what do you use?
1: So I just have the one that my husband bought. I don't know. It's nothing fancy, but set your settings to the highest resolution. So on a pretty cheap scanner, it would be like 600 dpi, which is dots per inch, I think, so that it's pulling in the highest resolution possible. And just set it, whatever settings you can set on it to get the highest quality scan is what I would say. When you pull it into Photoshop or Illustr. Well, I'm not super familiar with Illustrator, so I'm just going to say Photoshop. You can tweak the hues around a little bit so that the levels, I would say, so that it most reflects the actual color of the image and... I love using, in Photoshop, they have this background deleter. I don't remember what it's oh, called. It's yeah, I know what you're talking you about. just like, click the whole background and it'll clear it all out. So then I'll work on a transparent background to clean it up and make sure that it's all touched up so that there's not stray ink flicks that shouldn't be there. And I'll create a template and I'll just pull each picture into that so that it's already, I've already got the watermark there or the yellow glass dish logo at the bottom so that there's uniformity in all of the pictures. And that also, if people try to steal them, they'll have to do some crop that off, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just use a regular scanner, but I did see recently on a YouTuber who does large scale art. She found a scanning, like a place that does large size scanning. So if you're doing something on a large scale that you're like, uh, this isn't going to fit on my scanning bed. You could search that out. I don't know the prices. I'm going to guess it's a little pricey to do quality high res scanning, but that's an option. If you're piece of whatever, the other option would be if you have a nice camera and you have good lighting, just take pictures of it and you could incorporate it that way. You could crop the pictures down, make sure that it's like straight on so that you're, crop ratio is square. So you could just take a quality picture of it instead of scanning, which might yield a better result. So that's an option. Yeah. And there are, I mean, with technology being
0: so advanced and getting better and better with each passing month, it seems like there really are a lot of options to reproduce art. Whereas in the past, I feel like it wasn't that wasn't the case where it would be like really hard to get a reproduction of what you created. That's not necessarily the case anymore. So there are ways most scanners I'm sure that are made now are going to be fine. And I liked your recommendation, Josie to just turn up the resolution as high as you can. And then, yeah, I mean, we all have good cameras that we're taking our food photos of. So try that and see how that translates over into Photoshop. And then the, thing in Photoshop that I found like anytime I've tried to do something like that is that you get like that the background isn't totally white so I loved what you mentioned about like making sure that you delete that color because it can be like this really slight tint of pink or whatever blue and then when you put that on a website it can be like very noticeable so I think that's a matter of just like playing around and seeing what works.
1: Before I knew that Photoshop had that eraser tool, I would literally go in and erase all the stuff and then zoom in. The more you zoom in on Photoshop, the more detail you can get with the pixels right along the edges. But with their new, it's one of their eraser settings. So if you right click on the eraser, it'll have some different options. It'll be like a background removal and a magic eraser. I don't know what they are. You just have to play around with them. But that's where you can get the erasing the whole background. So helpful. Yeah. Photoshop
0: in recent years has created these tools that are just like back when I was doing graphic design like a decade ago or more, I had to do stuff the archaic way and we actually had to like <laughs> go through so much work and now there are all these tools that just eliminate all that work and like, oh, if those only would have been around back then. <laughs> but they are really cool. I mean, it's kind of creepy a little bit how efficient and amazing Photoshop is and all those tools are.
1: I've been using Photoshop for like 20 years. That makes me like, I started as a kid. That's crazy. But yes, seeing how, oh man, the old lasso tools and all of those. Oh, yes, yes. took forever and you're like, oh, it still looks all janky on the edges, but whatever. Like, oh, anyway. Yeah, because so- you didn't have any, it didn't give you
0: any wiggle room. Like you had to do exactly. And I've been using it too for at least 20 years, so I have gotten to see the whole evolution of Photoshop and Illustrator, and they've come a long way. It's great now. I mean, it's like you can get something done in just a couple of minutes that maybe took like hours before. So but before we go, Josie, do you have a favorite quote or words
1: of inspiration to share with food bloggers? Yes. Laura Ingalls Wilder said, what must be done is best done cheerfully. And I think that is an awesome motto to go by. And just choosing to be cheerful, even when you're doing stuff that you don't super love or doing stuff that you super love, it's a matter of attitude. So what oh, must be done best done cheerfully. That is a great quote to end on. Thank you
0: for sharing that. And Josie has a list of resources relating to everything we've talked about today These can be found on her show notes page at eatblogtalk.com forward slash Josie O. And Josie, I will include some, I don't know, just some random pieces of art that may help to get people inspired. If you have anything, maybe stuff that you've created from your website, I think this would be a really good opportunity just to show some different options for people. So we'll put those on Josie's show notes page. Josie, tell my listeners the best place to find you online
1: yellow glass dish all over the place. Yellow dot com. Instagram. I'm yellow glass dish, Facebook, yellow glass dish, all the things, Pinterest, yellow glass dish. So I make low carb recipes, but they're good for all the people. So. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Josie. And thank you. Thank you, thank you f- yes, it was fun.
0: And thank you for listening today. Food bloggers. I will see you next time.